We're super excited for our guest. Welcome back, Cami Pastor. Yay, Cami. Hi, thanks guys for having me back again. I had such a good time on morning meeting and exciting to share on this new format now that we're back on Once Upon a Tech. Yay, we were so excited to have Cami back because we got to hear from Cami a little bit during morning meeting, but there's just way more to Cami that we wanted to share. And so when we knew that we were going to be doing interviews that were just a little bit longer, we immediately like, we have got to have Cami back because she's just got more of the story to tell. So let's start there. Cami, can you tell us just a little bit about your story? Sure. So currently I will be a senior at Virginia Tech in the fall and I'm majoring in computer science and minoring in PPE, which is this interesting new minor that's a combination of political science, philosophy, and economics. And I guess even that major minor combination is a bit of an intro into what I'm like as a person. I kind of can't decide which interest is the most important one to me. I'm one of those people who's always trying to learn eight new things at once and trying to go all sorts of directions. I actually have a bit of an interesting story of how I got into computer science, which was mostly an accident. I thought I wanted to be a journalist when I was in high school, and then I took a computer science class after a lot of nagging from my parents because they thought it would look good and then yay parents <laughs> yay nagging it works yeah i hate when my parents are right because then they always know it and i have to admit it but this is one call that even though they just thought it would be helpful skill for me to have it ended up being something that i fell in love with and i found that computer science was a field where i could take all that creativity that i loved in my writing and in learning history and in the arts and I could channel it into computer science. And that's something that I really wished that I had known about the field before I started. I feel like I would have been so much more excited to get involved with STEM if I knew just how powerful technology and engineering could be and how fun and creative as well. Oh, that's so interesting. Now, was it like a love at first sight? Like you sat down in class and the professor said something that you knew and you had like this meet cute moment and the music swelled or was it kind of, it happened slowly, maybe despite what you were learning in class, you found ways to, to love it yourself? Like what was your relationship? How, how did it happen? Well, Sarah, you took the words right out of my mouth. When Ooh. I told the story, I actually say it was like a romantic comedy, slow-mo <laughs> fade moment. Um, it was a few weeks into the class and we coded this program called commission.java. And basically what we were doing is imagining that we worked for a company and we were making the machine that would calculate how much a person who worked in retail would make. Retail workers make commission off of how much they can sell. So you could put in the commission rate and the amount of money that the retail worker had sold, and then it would calculate their total wages, you know, including their base rate and their additional commission. And that was so cool for me because I, I didn't actually work retail. I, I was a waitress, sadly, but many of my friends worked retail and it was such an impactful moment because I was like, oh my goodness, that's how people actually get their salary. Like I just made something that interacts with the real world. And I feel like so often in school, we feel very detached from our studies and it feels like what we're learning doesn't directly interact with what we do when we're outside of school yeah. and computer science is something that really broke that for me and allowed me to feel like what I was learning was directly applicable to my life. So what are some of the stereotypes that you had about computer science before you 
started it. And then follow-up question, what are some ways we could break those stereotypes? Well, okay, there's a lot of stereotypes and I'm sure everyone listening probably thought of several when I said computer science. Usually the like hacker hoodie basement, it's like always a gray hoodie whenever I picture it for some reason, like mom's basement, like hunched over in the dark typing, (laughs) I feel like is something that comes to mind. But that kind of encapsulates a lot of things that people think about computer science. They think computer scientists can't be social, can't have fun, can't have other interests, don't know how to relate to other people. And all of these things are so dangerous because technology is really everywhere. And it's so important that the people that are building our new applications and databases understand how to be working with other people and how to be interacting in other industries. Unfortunately, I think that sometimes these stereotypes can sort of become a repeating cycle where because the field of computer science and a lot of STEM fields are pretty homogenous in terms of their lack of diversity, it makes people feel a little nervous to enter that field and maybe more hesitant. And then it becomes a cyclical process where people don't want to join it because there aren't people that look or act like them. And then that continues to happen. As for ways to fix this, I feel like this is something that a lot of people are becoming aware of now and trying to make STEM and computer science a space that's more welcoming for everybody. But I think that it's going to take a lot of exposure about the powers of computer science, what it can really do, how fun it can be, and also just some guts. I was definitely really nervous to start a computer science class, and I was really fortunate that even though I was one of two girls pretty much in most of the places where I was coding. I had a good group of guy friends who were really fun and respectful and some of my best friends. And I really count myself lucky for having them because if it had just been me and one other girl and we didn't have anyone else as our allies, I think that it could have been very intimidating to stay. So I feel like there could be a lot more work done with the people already in these industries to be making sure that they're doing what they need to be, to be reaching out and making the workplace and classroom environment a welcoming space for everybody. That was a question I was thinking about. We talked about the stereotypes that you encountered when you were making the decision to go into computer science, when you consider computer science from the outside. Now that you're kind of in the thick of it, do you find those stereotypes to be true? Are you mostly surrounded by the kind of people you thought you would be? Are you surprised? I mean, what is it like from the inside? I'll say definitely a yes and no as to is it what I expected. There are more people than I would have liked to see that are really a little bit in their own world and when it comes to computer science and that is something that makes me really sad i feel like it's such an important part of computer science to be able to be in touch with so many other facets of the world and that's what makes technology really amazing when it is able to serve a need and help people but there are also a lot of amazing people that are totally breaking the mold There's a lot of interesting computer science research that's going on at my school. I actually just got involved in a project called CS Genome that's mapping the history of processors and computing over time, which is really amazing. And that has a really diverse set of students. It has several professors that come from different places in the world and are male and female involved. And I feel like there are a lot of places to showcase that 
computer science doesn't have to be so homogenous. But I think that what can be a big turnoff for people is that honestly, a lot of the way computer science is taught makes it really dull and hard to get through unless you're really dead set on making this your career. I am shaking my head vigorously, <laughs> agreeing with you. <laughs> yeah, this always makes me think of you because your work in Tech Girls has kind of helped bring to life all these thoughts I used to have. Like, I love computer science. I know it's creative. And I know that we can be teaching this in a classroom in a way that is engaging and relates to the real world and allows people to be challenged and will directly help them when they enter the workforce. But for some reason, we're just not doing that. And it makes no sense to me that I should be looking up at a PowerPoint lecture when I'm in a major that's all about, you know, changing the world, taking the world by storm and making these fast progresses to make the world a better place. One thing you mentioned, you know, with these stereotypes and especially the non-social aspect of it. One thing that I remember you bringing to the hackathon especially is this idea of getting folks to get out of their comfort zone and really start bonding with each other. So I think it's not only the people who don't fit the stereotype that need to kind of step up and try stuff, but those that do need to step up and, you know, sort of reach across and make friends and collaborations with folks that are not like them. I definitely agree. And I think that, again, as a newcomer or an outsider, it can be hard to do all of that yourself, be learning something new, dealing with that imposter syndrome, and trying to reach out, reach across the gap and make friends with people that maybe aren't even looking for friends. And it makes such a world of difference to have the people that are already more established be also working to bridge that gap as well. Well, that plays into one of the stereotypes, right? If you're thinking about the stereotypical computer science student, it's someone who's antisocial, it's someone who doesn't want to talk, they want to sit and, and just drink their coffee and code until they can go home. And what we know, if from nothing else, from the series of special guests that we've had on the podcast over the last couple of months, is that people who are studying computer science and working with it are changing the world in a variety of ways, and that many of them are rooted in empathy and a passion for knowing and helping and caring about people. So I feel like that stereotype can kind of get in the way. And if you're studying computer science, it you got to be careful that it doesn't turn into a self-fulfilling prophecy. I agree. And I think that the people who end up making the biggest differences in technology and in innovation in general are the people who have that empathy, Sarah, and the people that are able to see more than just themselves and use their skill set for something that maybe they wouldn't have even known about and listen to the people that they're trying to serve. And I'm a believer that almost every human being is born with empathy, but that it's a muscle that we have to exercise. And so if you're taught that your career field has nothing to do with connection and empathy, you're going to let those muscles go and you're going to start focusing on yourself and what you're creating and how quickly you can get it done. If you are taught that your field is something that's about connection and about caring and about making the world a better place, you're going to strengthen those muscles. It's going to become part of something that you're doing every day. And you're going to be creating with that empathy and that connection in mind. You'll be doing the same work. It's just about the way you approach it, which can have to do with the way you're taught or the way your business is run. So one thing I wanted to explore a little, and I, I know this is a topic you're also interested in, is failure. And especially as somebody outside the computer science world, I'm always amazed like when I go into different education situations, whether it's teachers or students, the fear of failure is so great 
but as my with my computer science background, you know, I didn't start as a teacher. I started as a computer scientist. Like failure is just part of what you do. What is your relationship with failure and has it grown over time? I'd say failure is something that we've all probably come in contact with many more times than we'd like to, but this is a subject that I've been thinking a particular amount about because a friend said something to me recently and that made me stop and think. So we were just having a chat and all of a sudden they said to me, Cammy, I feel like you're such a winner. You're just a success at everything you do. And this might sound like a humble brag, but I stopped and I was like, what are you talking about? I fail at almost everything. And they were like, very surprised to hear this. And I realized that, of course, I feel like my relationship to failure has changed in that my previous failures taught me enough that now failure is something that I don't always have to share and that I know how to pick myself back up and keep trying. I feel like this is something I've really been working on since high school and since that turning point where I started computer science because I felt like every single thing I was trying to do with CS, I was not qualified for. Whether it was going to the Spark Hackathon, which we spoke about in the morning meeting episode, or applying to this pretty prestigious Northrop Grumman internship for high schoolers that I actually ended up getting, I felt like I was BSing my way through everything and that I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't get a lot of the things that I went for, positions that I felt I was qualified for, jobs or scholarships, anything else like that. And it is so disheartening every time. I like to think that each new failure, I'll be able to pick myself back up easier. And oftentimes that's not the case. I really care about these things that I'm trying for. And it's a big bummer when I don't get them. But I know by now that if I just keep trying and learning from what I could have done wrong, that eventually something will stick and it will be worth it. And I thought that I had learned this lesson enough in high school, but I actually had a bit of a rough year this school year where I was applying for jobs last fall during the season that a lot of computer scientists apply for internships. And I ended up not getting a single new internship offer. And I was so shocked by this. And I was like, I feel like I've come so far from my high school days where every single thing I was applying for and praying that they would maybe take me. And now, you know, I was in college. I'm confident about my programming skills. I have good social skills. You know, I have a lot of passion for the area. And all of a sudden, nothing I was trying for was coming back positive. But I kept trying throughout the year. And I actually just got word back about something pretty exciting that was a big major win for me. That was something I thought I would be the least likely to get out of everything I tried for this year. And I feel like that just goes to show that as much as we like failure to be an emotional thing where we can beat ourselves up and say, this was my fault, I didn't do enough, I wasn't good enough. A lot of the times we just have to say, it's a numbers game. Sometimes they don't pick you because you're not qualified, but a lot of times they don't pick you because they just can't pick everyone. But if you keep trying for things that you care about, eventually something will stick and you can use that to take you to the next thing. When it's interesting how humble you are in discussing how you feel about failure, because I just from watching and from our conversations, I would say you are excellent at failure, not because you fail often and it's not a numbers thing, but because when something doesn't go your way, you take the time to say, 
what went wrong? Why wasn't I the best candidate for this job? Can you let me know if there's something about this interview that I can change? How can I grow to make sure that next time I'm the candidate that ends up at the top of the list? And so there, I feel like there's a way to fail wrong. <laughs> there's a way to fail correctly. And so I feel like you have cornered the market on failing correctly, if that makes any sense. Well, I hope so. I, I don't feel like anyone quite knows how to fail perfectly, but I think that if you have that passion for the things you're trying for, although it will be more sad if you don't get it, for me, I try to use it as a motivating factor to get me through the next thing. So, you know, for an example, especially like a job interview where you feel like you did really well and you had a good connection with them and just crushed it and then you don't get back the result you wanted. For me, if that's the job that you eventually want, there's no option but to try and reflect on what you did, what the company's looking for, what you're looking for, and work on making it be better the next time. But I'm sure I'm not the only one who's experienced this, so I'd love to hear if you guys have learned lessons about failure over time as well. I, I say that you know failures are part of computer science just because when you are trying to code stuff, nothing's going to work the first time, the second time, the third time. And I think that's definitely helped me in other avenues of my life because I have where I thought doors were closing or I wasn't treated fairly or, you know, things like that happened at the time, you know, it can be devastating, but it also opened doors, either opened doors or I looked for other doors, right? Because I, I was still going to go, in that forward direction. I wasn't going to let anything push me back. And so I think you're right. If you're passionate about something, you just have to keep that forward momentum going. And if it's not the original door you wanted to go through, you, you can find other doors. There's always a different way into some situation. I have kind of a split view of failure when it comes to everyday smaller failures. I actually like it. <laughs> Weirdly enough, being bad at things is completely within my comfort zone. Playing a board game, knowing I'm going to lose, totally cool. Trying a new sport, knowing I'm going to be the worst person there and embarrass myself. I kind of like it. I'm always trying new hobbies and realizing I'm terrible at things and like laughing and, and learning from it. But when it comes to things that are big or about my career or something that I really want, I do take failure really hard. I think the way a lot of us do. And so I try to take those big maybe public, maybe professional or really emotional failures and try to look at them as the sa at the same way as I do like when I tried to learn soccer and fell on my face at the park because it is, it's all about developing new skills and recognizing that you're not the best at something right away. And it feels almost like we're discussing failure and rejection as the same term. They, they can be the same, they can be different, but I think at the root of my discomfort with big failures is a feeling of rejection. And I wasn't the one they wanted. I wasn't the one that was good enough. And, and so I try to separate those two things and feel the way I need to feel about them both and let myself feel those things and then pull a cami and get the, get the lessons out. Like, why wasn't I the best? What didn't work? Was it me? Was it time? Was it place? And then learn whatever I can and use that as momentum to carry me to the next door, the next opportunity. Honestly, I envy you, your comfort with small failures, Sarah. I think we must be opposite. Because <laughs> I think I'm the opposite of everyone. <laughs> if I'm the worst player in a soccer game, I will pout for the rest of the day. What is um, it? That is everyone. There are no, uh, when I wanted to learn a new sport, there are no adult beginner leagues. When I want to find a video of how to learn 
to do something, it's always a kid. Adults are so uncomfortable being bad at things. And I, it, that part of me is, I guess, just like broken or weird. I don't know. It is, you are far more in the norm. It's, it's interesting to me. I like that you highlighted there the difference between adults and kids because something that has changed a lot of my perspective on failure is speaking more in depth with a lot of the adults that I consider to be role models, including you guys, my parents, my professors, and a lot of other people. Because I think as adults, we tend not to talk about these failures. And that was the sense that I had when my friend said, you win at everything. And I was like, no, I don't tell you everything I don't win at. You only know the good things. So I seem like I'm bad in a hundred here. But speaking to you guys and other people in my life about the way that they've gotten to where they are now has changed so much for me. Because I look around at a lot of the adults in my life, I'm like, you're in an amazing position. I want to know how to get there. That's my dream. And everyone will tell you, I had this horrible journey. I changed industries. I dropped out of school. You know, I had to move across the country. I got fired from a job. I had to deliver coffee for years. Basically, no one suddenly shoots into the dream job that they wanted without hard work, failure, and being in places that aren't ideal first. And I want to highlight Kim talking about not just trying to go back into the same door that closed on you, but finding other doors and that sometimes the path to where you want to be isn't straight or logical, but it doesn't really matter as long as you're making progress and moving along towards where you'd like to be. I think stereotype threat can be a big barrier to that, mm -hmm. to being able to push, you know, to keep pushing through that failure wall. Because if you have stereotype threat on top of feeling like you're a failure, well, I think that's when a lot of, you know, people underrepresented in groups especially give up on computer science. Yeah, it's no longer what went wrong. Why didn't I get that? It's of course I didn't get that. And I never will because of who I am. Because the person like people like me don't do this, don't work here, don't get this. That would be so difficult to overcome. Oh, exactly. And the weird thing is, especially just speaking as a woman, I know that there are stats on men preferring to hire men. But on top of that, some studies have found that women also are much harsher when critiquing other women they interview. Mm -hmm. And it can be easy to look at those odds and say, I have no chance. The odds are against me. You know, I don't have family members that work at a company or a big name to get me in. But again, I think at the end of the day that you have to look inside yourself and find that confidence. If it's something you care about, you probably have the skills needed to do that job because a lot of what makes people great at their jobs is passion and willingness to learn. And so as long as you can step away from failure and try to keep hold of the skills that you still have and know that you're still valuable, it can be really important. And especially with computer science getting a lot of internship rejections, something my friends like to always echo is that if it's a company that didn't like you and your skills and appreciate what you had to offer, then that's probably not a place that you would want to be anyway. So hard to see when you're in it. Oh, yes. But well, so valuable. Definitely have cried over many things I haven't gotten. But I think it's important to have that time to be upset and then pick back up. It's not as easy as, oh, I didn't get it on to the next thing. But having a variety of avenues to go down is, is good because then you, I guess you have alternate plans, which can be good if, if plan A doesn't work out. 
So I want to ask one final question and kind of putting you on the spot a little bit, but thinking of educators listening to this, what would be your advice to them about ways they can engage students with computer science and technology that kind of circumvents stereotypes or keeps that interest going so they might consider uh, studying it some more? Okay, well, I have way too many thoughts about this that you guys have (laughs) always inspired my interest in this subject, but the first thing I would say is look for ways that students can engage their unique interests. So I think that there's a lot of room for any lessons relating to technology to be tailored to the individual student. You could give an assignment and let students find the ways that technology interact with their particular field of interest or topics that they care about. Or if you're in a higher level instruction, then maybe they're programming something, but still get to put their own unique spin on what exactly it would be used for. I feel like with technology being so ever-present, there's a lot of room for computer science courses to show that and allow students to see the way that technology is vital in their everyday life. And on top of that, I think that highlighting all of the problems with the lack of diversity in STEM can also be really helpful, not only for students who are newer or outsiders, but also for students that may already be interested in computer science. I took a course where we studied the automation of algorithms, particularly ones in the government, either relating to childcare, food stamps, housing and welfare distribution, and the way that the automation of these can include bias that can really positively or negatively affect certain demographics of individuals. And that totally blew my mind to see the way that not only we understand that ourselves as as humans can have flaws, errors, and our own unique perspectives, but to be able to see the way that we can encode our own biases into our machines Mm -hmm. and in turn make computer programs that would be just as biased as we are, that made me really sad and very concerned. And that opened my eyes to more of the harms of what a truly homogenous computer science field could do to the world. That was something I had not considered until we traveled to that conference together. Um, But uh, the bias in AI and then algorithms and in the internet and the way that can impact people, the bias has always been in my favor. And so it's not something I had to think about. And then once I saw it, you can't unsee it once you see it. (laughs) I think so too. And I think that for students who have already been in the major interest or in the industry, I think that being able to see those biases in yourself and recognize the way that having a diverse team of people benefits everybody was totally mind-blowing and would make a really big impact. Cammie, I think that we are getting to the end of our time. You, as always, have brought us so much wisdom and it's just so amazing to me that you're a rising senior and like what's left for you and what you're going to contribute to the world. Just, I can't wait to see it. Oh my gosh. And now we need to have you back again because there's so much more that we could talk about. We need to do around three. To- Jokes on you. I'm never leaving. <laughs> <laughs> but really, thank you all for having me on here again. Always so wonderful to be able to have these serious and fun and much needed conversations about these topics. Oh, thank you so much for coming and joining us. 